Good morning, church. It's great to see everybody today. Well, I ask that you join me in prayer before we begin. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this glorious day that you've given us. I just ask, Lord, that you open our minds, open our, our ears, and open our hearts to your word, Lord. Just let everything that I say and do this day, Lord, bring glory, honor, and praise to you. Just be with us. Be with this church, Lord. Protect us. Watch over us. And have us always, always remember the true meaning of this season. In Jesus' name, amen. So now, as Ned was mentioning last week, we're starting the Advent season. We are in that somewhat hectic time of the year as we prepare for Christmas. It seems that everyone is out rushing around, looking for bargains, looking for decorations, looking for presents for that special person. It's that time of year when drivers aren't paying attention, when they'll cut you off, and maybe the mall parking lot's the most dangerous place to be. Everyone seems to be in such a hurry to get nowhere. This year, try something different. Instead of getting mad when somebody cuts you off or steals your parking place or cuts in line in front of you in the store, maybe it would be a good time just to show them love. Instead of getting aggravated at them, stop and ask them how they're doing. Hold the door open for them. Show them love. Maybe, just maybe, they'll pass it on to somebody else. Remember to slow down and remember the true meaning of Christmas this year. It's not about presents. It's about his presence. We are now officially in the Christmas season, or as we know it, Advent. But what does Advent really mean? Advent means arrival or the coming. So we celebrate the arrival or coming of our Lord Jesus. As we do this, we need to look forward, of course, to his first coming and celebrate it. It should be a very joyful time as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. But we also need to look forward to his second coming when he returns to take us home to be with him. This time of year, we like to decorate our homes and our buildings. We put lights on our houses. We put wreaths on our doors. We put them on the walls. We put trees in our homes. We exchange presents. Where did all of that come from? Do you realize that most of our Christmas decorations are pagan? Of course, we have given them Christian symbolism. Today, we see that the world wants to remove the word Christmas. They refer to it as happy holidays. I have to tell you, but I'm kind of sickened when I go into all the stores and see the signs. I see it all in the media. I even receive cards that say, Happy Holidays. I actually remember a TV news anchor on Christmas Day last year said, Merry Christmas to those who believe in celebration of their faith or something to that effect. 
I was really, at the time, wondering if he was wishing us a Merry Christmas or if he was making fun of us. You see, the world wants us to forget that Christmas is about Jesus. They want us to believe it's about Santa Claus. Do you know that Christmas wasn't celebrated until the fourth century after Jesus' death and that the date of Christmas was chosen because the Christians at that time wanted to have a holiday to compete with the winter solace holiday. With all of that said, it is still important that we celebrate the birth of our Savior. I want us to take a look at some of the scripture predicting the birth of Jesus or signs of his first coming. Starting in Genesis 22:16. We are told that through Abraham's offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed. And of course, Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. In Jeremiah and 2 Samuel, affirm the prophecy that Jesus will be from the line of King David. Isaiah 7.14 tells us that he will be born from a virgin saying, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. In Psalm 72, 9-10, tells us that he will be worshipped by shepherds and that foreign kings will bring gifts to him. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 states, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Prince of Peace. Last year, well, actually it was about two or three months ago, I was watching the Discovery Channel, and there was a documentary on it where this man was saying, that in Israel there's more than one Bethlehem. And he was saying Christians have the wrong Bethlehem. And he was taking these people, camera crew, down the road where it was a little small, tiny village that had a cave. And he was saying this cave is where Jesus was really born. And Christians didn't know what they were talking about. And that he said that he had researched this and that he was right. Well, maybe he researched it, but there was one place he forgot to look. He forgot to look in the Bible. Do you know the Bible actually tells us that there is more than one Bethlehem? And it actually tells us the providence that Bethlehem would be in where Christ would be born. So, we do have the right Bethlehem. It's just amazing to me, though, how they put that stuff in front of you, and that's to cause you doubt. This list of prophecy on the coming of birth of Jesus goes on and on. There are over 400 prophecies pointing to the birth of Jesus in the Old Testament. These biblical prophecies are astonishing because of their accuracy. And they're even more astonishing 
when you consider the unlikelihood of all of them coming true and being accurate, but they all were. What's more astonishing to me is that even though they, the Jews, read and studied the Scripture, they completely missed the birth of Christ. So you see, all of these point to his first coming. But now let's take a moment and look at his next coming and what the Scriptures say will be happening before he comes the next time. In Matthew 24:38, we read, But as in, in the days that there was before the flood, they were eating, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall it be with the Son of Man. This is a warning to us from Jesus. He is saying, Pay attention to what is happening around you. These are the days of Noah. They didn't pay attention. Everyone just went about their business. And I'm sorry to say, but that's exactly how it is today. Some people just don't care. Some people seem to be afraid of these signs. Hopefully, some people are starting to wonder about what is going on in this crazy world and they will start looking up Scripture and hopefully leading people to Christ. In 2 Timothy 3, we read, This know that in the last days perilous times will come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covenant boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of good, having a fourth form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Let's stop and take a look at that scripture. It says, lovers of their own selves, boasters and proud. People today are in love with themselves. They like to boast about what they are doing, about what they have. You can meet somebody, and all you hear about is how wonderful they are, what they have, where they're going, and all the things they're doing. Seldom do they ever ask, how are you? And if sometimes they do, they really don't care. You see, I have to tell you, sometimes when people come to me and they say, how are you doing? I say, terrible, <laughs> horrible. And I find out they just go on and tell me about themselves. <laughs> they don't say why. And I'm happy to report I have done that a couple of times in here and that people have actually stopped and said, what's wrong? So, praise to be to them, because they do care. Then it talks about blasphemers. I'm amazed at how many people use the name of the Lord in vain. It seems that some people can't express themselves without using his name in vain. 
I'm sorry to say that they do this without even thinking what they're saying. I have actually met people who can't express themselves without using the Lord's name in vain. They do it so much, I don't think they even realize what they're saying. I don't think they even realize it's blasphemy. Then there are those who seem to think that using the Lord's name in vain and cursing makes them bigger and stronger, but it really makes them smaller and weaker. Then it talks about children being disobedient to their parents. You see much of this today. The crazy thing to me is that the parents permit it. They just give in to the child. They constantly are trying to appease the child and end up making it worse. I actually remember being in the grocery store a while back and there was a, a woman with two children. One was probably about 11 and I'm guessing the other one was about seven. They kept taking things in the grocery store and putting it in the cart. She kept telling them and lecturing them why they shouldn't do that. But she didn't take anything out of the cart, and they kept putting things in the cart. She even threatened them as to what was going to happen if they didn't stop. But they didn't stop, and there was no, nothing ever happened. I, uh, I have to laugh that in my own family, I have seen my grandchildren disobey their parents, and the parents sends them to the room, to their room. What's in their room? Well, in their rooms, a television, all of their video games, and they still have their cell phone. What kind of a punishment is that? Uh, maybe, I hope nobody here can relate to that. But, uh, and I'm saying to myself as I was seeing these kids that I couldn't really blame them. I mean, after all, they were after things they wanted, and they knew that mom wasn't ever going to do anything. Then it says, unthankful. I see so many people who are unthankful today. They just expect things. They just want more. We are never satisfied with what we have, and we're completely unthankful for what we have or receive. It says, unholy. I think of what Aaron said when he was here. He said that 38% of our community was Christian. That means 62% of our community isn't. 62% is unholy. That is quite shocking. I'm sure that you've heard this past week that the U.S. Supreme Court is currently looking at the abortion law in Mississippi. If the Supreme Court approves that law and upholds it, that may stop abortions or at least permit each state to pass their own law concerning abortion. This past Wednesday morning on Channel 6, they stated 75% of Americans approve of abortion. My chin hit the floor. I said, what? Could 75% of Americans really support abortion? 
cannot be true? I tell you, I pray that that's something the media just made up. I, I really pray that they did. It says, without natural affection. What is natural affection? Natural affection is a man and a woman. I could go on about this for the rest of the day, but just stop and think about the pride parades, the rainbow banners in your face, the pushing of the transgenders, the promotion of homosexuality that our world is full of today. Then it says, despisers of those who are good. Yes, I'm sorry to say, but you are despised. Christ said, you will be hated. I've actually met Christians who didn't want to admit they were Christians because people had made fun of them. It doesn't matter what people think. It only matters what God thinks of you. It says, lovers of pleasure. People today are all about pleasure. They're always looking at what brings them pleasure. They think that pleasure will bring them contentment, that it will bring them happiness. But only accepting Jesus will bring you true contentment and happiness. Then it says, a form of godliness. Of course, this is where so many churches are today. They claim to worship the Lord. They claim to accept his word. But in fact, they have distorted his word. I'm sorry to say, but I believe these are the ones at the end times when they will be saying, Lord, Lord, and he will be saying, I never knew you. In Matthew 24, verses 6 and 7, we read, the words of Jesus when he said, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and there shall be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. We never hear of any of those things going on in our world today, or very seldom. Maybe you've noticed that our wonderful media just doesn't mention them or barely touches on any of these. They may briefly mention that there was a terrible earthquake in Haiti, but then they quickly move on. We're not told of any wars, famines, or earthquakes. Do you realize there are 18 wars going on today? There are 64 countries involved in conflict today. And as of rumors of wars, you may know that Russia is today massing troops on the Ukraine border. Do you realize there are 125, there have been 125 significant earthquakes so far this year? Do you realize there's been 68 active volcanoes so far this year? There have been 23 named tropical storms and 10 major typhoons this year. And of course, don't let us forget about the pandemics that are all currently affecting us. The worldwide death from AIDS is unestimable. They have quit counting. So many people have died from it, they don't count anymore. Over 160,000 Americans will die of cancer this year.
And of course, we can't forget the coronavirus. I heard recently that five and a half million people worldwide have died from it so far this year. And surprisingly, surprisingly, more people will die of starvation this year than the coronavirus. As we look at the world today, we see all sorts of craziness happening. The signs are all around us. We just have to keep our eyes open to what's happening in this world today. Again, the list of prophecies go on and on. Again, we wonder how can anyone miss the coming of our Lord Jesus. As we talk about the signs of his coming, some people say they're confused by them. Some people see them as signs of doom. They even see them as a threat. Some say they're pushed into a darkness and they have a fear of these signs. Jesus says, when you see these signs, it's time to stand up, to look up, he says, raise your heads. Know that your help is on the way. Our Redeemer, our healing, our hope is on the way. These are signs that our Savior has drawn near. These are signs are not to give you fear or depression. These signs are to give you courage. These signs are to give you confidence. These signs are to give you comfort. As we look forward to the celebration of Christmas or the first coming of Jesus. Take time to enjoy the celebration. Spend time with your family and friends and always, always remember the true meaning of Christmas. But also, let us stop and look forward to his next coming when our Lord Jesus comes to take his bride, that's us, his church, home, to be with him. When you see this craziness happening in the world, don't be afraid. Don't live in fear. It's time to celebrate. This is the time to rejoice. Wake up. Look up. Help is on the way. Our Savior is on the way. Let us say, Maranatha, our Lord has come. Let us say, Maranatha, our Lord is coming. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this time of year, Lord, we do celebrate the birth of your Son and our Savior, Lord Jesus. But let us take time, Lord. Open everybody's hearts and minds. Let us really look forward to his next coming. Let us really say, come, Lord Jesus. In his name we pray and ask this. Amen.